welcome everyone to episode 8 of We Effed Up. I am Teresa. And I'm Cody. And on this podcast we talk about times in history when somebody effed up to the point where it totally changed the course of history. What are we talking about today? Um, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of a man by the name of William Patterson? Um, <laughs> I'm sure I have. That's a fairly common name. Yeah, it, it's kind of bland, but yeah, uh, he, he kind of had a, an outsized impact uh, based on what, a, a, a idea he put forward. Um, it it kind of led to um, something that is a point of uh, contention to this day. Oh, okay. So. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, so, William Patterson um, is Scottish. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sounds Scottish. From the late 17th century. Okay. Uh, so, let me give you a little bit of background on Scotland itself at, at this point. In late. All I need to know is that Sean Connery had never went back because it was never a free Scotland. This also, has nothing to do with Sean Connery. Also, Braveheart. Nothing to do with that either. That's all you need to know about Scotland. No, it's not. Listeners, just shut off this podcast and go watch Braveheart. That's all you need to know. I apologize to uh, all the loyal Scots who have now been offended by the fact that a an American has boiled down their entire country's history down to Braveheart and Sean Connery. <laughs> just name... Never mind. I was going to say name one other thing that... And then I was like, no, this just, is not just, the bet to just, make about... Just stop. Just stop. I've been to Scotland. I love Scotland. I love their country. I love the people. I don't think that that's all of their history. Mm-hmm. Braveheart. Anyway, uh, by late 17th century, Scotland and England had been rivals for centuries. No. Yeah, who would have thunk that? Uh, the rival rivalry, that's, hard, that's a hard word for me to Robbery. say. Rivalry. Rivalry had cooled since the accession of King James VI of Scotland to the English throne. What's accession? Uh, he... He rose to the throne. Um, basically, he, the, the king of Scotland is also now the king of England. Yeah. So, um, that happened in 1603. Uh, Elizabeth I died. She didn't have any heirs. Her closest heir was uh, the son of her cousin, who happened to be the king of Scotland. Oh, okay. So, just kind of like the next person in line, mm, happened to be king of Scotland. They're like, let's just combine it. It's easier. Well, they're not combined yet. They're still two separate countries. Okay. But they share a monarch. Okay. Think of it like uh, the UK and Canada today. They're completely separate countries, completely independent from one another. They just have the same monarch. But, I mean, at this point in time, it was more... They were more involved. The monarch was more involved in the yes. running of the go- in the government. So it's not like the UK and Canada. Well, like the relationship. Like, they okay. are independent countries, but they share a monarch. Okay. So. All right. Um... So, throughout the 17th century, English colonization efforts in the Western Hemisphere were well underway. Okay. Uh, so, like, in the United States, like, present-day United States, Canada, uh, they'd started to um, establish colonies. I mean, not Canada. Canada's French. Uh, throughout the 17th century, English colonization efforts in the Western Hemisphere were well underway. Okay. Uh, they were beginning to colonize the Eastern Seaboard, uh, present-day United States, uh, those areas. Okay. Uh, and of the two... England was much more economically dominant over Scotland. Right, had, of course. Had many more people, uh, had better trade relationships with mainland Europe. They also just have better production. I mean, in yeah, general, like, like, Scotland is just really spread out. And and better land for farming. Yeah. Uh, as well, because I know like Scotland's much more mountainous. Yeah, there's lots of moors, bogs. Yeah. yeah. Werewolves. Um, yes. 
Highlanders. Um, <laughs> Highlanders. <laughs> yeah, all those things. There, Dear Scots, we love you. There can be only one. Um, what was that? You sound like a tiny robot. <laughs> Trying to do Christopher Lambert, but that's that's a hard impression to do. <laughs> Jeez, okay. There can be only one. There we go. That's better. Jesus Christ, that was not better. This must be Sean Connery. Yeah. Anyway, the prevailing economic theory of the time was mercantilism, and basically, in mercantilism, the the belief is that there's only a limited amount of wealth in the world, like a material amount of wealth in the world. And the only way to increase a country's share of that was to either take it from others or go claim as much of the unclaimed wealth as you possibly could. Wow. So a lot of competition between countries to uh, gain these areas that were undeveloped so they could exploit them. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. They're like, look, there's an infinite or there's a finite number of a finite amount of wealth in the world. We have to go get as much as we possibly can before everybody else does. Pretty much, that's Because we cannot create more of it. That That's essentially mercantilism in a nutshell. Ugh. Yeah. Well, so terrible for people. There's a reason why it's not a prevailing <laughs> economic theory anymore. Yeah. Uh, in order to compete with England, it was a widely held belief in Scotland that a strong navy and a colonial empire was necessary. So, in order to not be totally dominated by England, Scotland needed to do these things. So, so by colonial, what what do you mean? They needed to go and colonize places. Yes. So they were like, Eng- England's doing it. We need to do that. We need yes. more boats. We need to keep up with them if we don't want to essentially just be taken over by them. Okay. Yes. Wow. Cool arms race, but but this is led by two the same monarch over both of the countries. Yes. So. Well, the, the this seems confusing. It is. It, it can be. Because, yes, the monarch is still very important in the governance of those countries, mm-hmm. but they still run themselves independently of each other. Oh, okay. So the king is not privy to this whole, like, Scotland's going to build more navy ships and Yeah, it, it's more like uh, the government of Scotland itself outside okay. of him. Okay. Or making these, like, like the Scottish nobles, essentially, and that kind of thing. Okay. So they're not putting this in his little correspondence box for him to read on a day-to-day they basis. They are, but he just isn't. We'll get into that. It's in the bottom. Yeah. The place where they put all the stuff they don't want him to get to. Um, Another (laughs) reason for the push for colonies was a series of recent famines in Scotland. Gosh. Uh, An estimated 10 to 15% of the population had either died or left by the mid-1690s. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Wow. Okay. So, like, two out of every... One in five people is either dead or gone. A little bit under that, but yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and so uh, another thing to keep in mind, in 1688, uh, yeah, I told you, England and Scotland are the same monarch. Mm-hmm. This whole time it's been the Stuart dynasty from Scotland. Like, they are Scottish mm-hmm. monarchs. In 1688, the Glorious Revolution deposed King James II and replaced him with his daughter Mary II and her husband, uh, the Dutch stadtholder William of Orange, who would rule England as William the Third. It's Mary Queen, Mary Queen of Scots. No, it's not Mary oh, Queen of Scots. This there's, is William and Mary. There's so many Marys. So, like you know, like College of William and Mary. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is William and Mary. Oh uh, well. They ruled jointly together. Mary Queen of Scots was about a century before this. <sighs> okay. Well, there's. She's many. actually. Well, she's. Remember, I mentioned James the Sixth earlier. Uh-huh. That's his mother. Well, there's. Look, okay. There's too many Marys and Elizabeths for me to possibly keep them all straight. There's only two Elizabeths. There's too many Marys and Elizabeths. Did I stutter? <laughs> anyway, 
So, William and Mary, they are now the rulers of Scotland, England, and William is also the... The Duke of Orange? Uh, Prince of Orange, but kind of the quasi-ruler over what is today the Netherlands. What is Orange? That's a region in the, in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. All right. He's Man, not like he's like the Prince of Oranges, like the fruit. Well, I knew that. The, which, that would be a dope title, though. Prince of Oranges. All oranges are are because of me. Um, all of these, like, titles and stuff, though, like Duke of Orange and all that, impossible to keep straight. Mostly fake anyways, so. Yeah, it can at be least hard. Now. But just keep in mind, at this point, the point we've gotten to in our story, the same people, the same person, rather, rules England, Scotland, and the Netherlands. Okay. Netherlands are fairly close to the UK, right? Yeah. Across the... Oh, uh, yeah, like, kind of like Caddy Corner across the English Channel. Okay, that's what I thought. So, not directly. Because, like, friends. I'm going back to Duke of Orange, like, Duke of Edinburgh. That doesn't mean anything. He has no, like, real hold over Edinburgh. He's no. not anything special in Scotland. Not, not anymore, anyway, no. But it, they call him Duke of Edinburgh. It's like, okay. Yeah, like, like at this time, they probably, I mean, they would have owned land. And probably had some sort of bear, royal bearing there or yeah. whatever. But this was also when monarchy was a lot more powerful and, and in England. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the context that you need to know about like where Scotland is at this moment. So we're in the mid-1690s. Scotland just had this big famine. A lot of people left. Ruled over by a Dutchman who was also ruling over England. Dang, okay. Um, so. It's like, we don't do it like this in the yeah. Netherlands. Um, so enter William Patterson, the subject of our episode today. Okay. He was, he had been born in April 1658 in Tinwald, Scotland. Okay. So he is Scottish. He immigrated to Bristol in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then straight on to the Bahamas in 1670s. <laughs> nice. Because England at the time ruled the Bahamas. Right, they right. Had colonies there. Man, uh, imagine that boat ride. Nah, it took several months. I know, it'd be yeah. a hell of a boat ride. Yeah. Um, he worked as a merchant in the West Indies, which is like the Caribbean islands, um, so he wasn't, he was not royal at this point. No. He was not a monarch. Well, he's, he's not a monarch. He's okay. never a monarch. Okay. So he's, yeah. he's not even rich. No, not, no, not at this point, but okay. we'll, we'll get to that. Um, it was at this time that he began to look into establishing a colony on the Isthmus of Darien, okay. which is in present day Panama. I'm going to show you where that is. Uh, this kind of an, uh, older map of it. So this is this is like present day Panama right here. Mm-hmm. This is like where it meets like South America. So it's oh, like the, okay. so it's like near like kind of close to where the Panama Canal is. Okay, I so, understand. So people have had interest in this for centuries of like getting stuff from this part, of the Atlantic course. Ocean, to the Pacific. Right. Even back as far back as this, because they see like, hey, even if we can establish a land route, yeah, just like a a, a cargo route across this, that we don't have to go all the way around South America. Right. So people okay. have been interested in a. Not necessarily a canal, but a some sort of move cargo from here to here across the Isthmus of Panama or the Isthmus of Darien as it is here for centuries. Okay. Was it called Darien at that point? People I just didn't know what Darien was. People have different names for it, like especially okay. in different countries. Okay. Um, but that name just kind of fell by the wayside. Okay. Um, that's William Patterson. Nice wig, bro. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there's the gig William. Right Fancy. There. Yeah, I like that the style then was to have your portrait taken with armor, but then also a bunch of like drapery and silks on you. Yeah, so it's like that wouldn't. That, that it's like who dresses like this? Right. Yeah, it's not even a cape. Right. It's just 
a bunch of blankets. It's a sheet. Or a big curtain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, so Patterson, uh, he returned to Europe in the early 1680s, uh, promoting his Darien scheme to various governments, all of who refused. Okay, that's well, crazy. Well, at the time, the Spanish controlled the area. And they were like, we're not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, because they didn't want to antagonize the Spanish. Because the Spanish sure. Empire at this point is still... Very strong. One of, if not the most powerful empire in Europe. Right. They're like, man, they killed all those people in Mexico. So they didn't want to mess with the Spanish. Yeah, because uh, okay. they just didn't want to antagonize them. Yeah. So I guess Spain at this point, I mean, they have the largest empire in the world. So Patterson, once he's done in the West Indies and once he's done promoting his, trying to get other governments to kind of back his colonization effort here, mm-hmm. he moves back to London in 1687 and makes a fortune in foreign trade. Okay. So he's a merchant, makes a whole buttload of cash, um, and along with other, along with other business leaders, he helped to found the Bank of England in 1694. Dang. Okay. So the Bank of England, uh, I don't know if it, I don't want to say it's exactly like the Federal Reserve here in the United States. I don't yeah. think it's the same type of relationship, mm-hmm. but it's essentially the like the bank of the government of England. So, That's crazy. So, so, so the Bank of England, like this thing that essentially would fund all of their colonial ventures for decades to come. Does the Bank of England still exist? Yes. And and like, people can bank with them, right? Yeah, yeah. It, they, they, If I'm not mistaken, they print the banknotes, uh-huh. but they're also used as just like a normal bank, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be completely wrong. I don't really know. Cause... It's crazy, though, to think that generationally, just, you know, 350-some years ago, 370 years ago, people people just came together and were like, we have a lot of money. Let's make a bank about it. And now... I mean, based off of interest and stuff, the worth of these banks is probably, you know, oh, yeah. like a tenth of the world wealth, and yeah. it's insane. I mean, banking it existed before this. I mean, you have... Sure. Especially in Italy and Germany. I just mean, like, if you and I were like, we're really rich, let's make a bank, it would be impossible. Yeah, like it's today... It's not even be fathomable. Like, you might be able to make, like, a community, like a small local community bank. Yeah. That's about it. But even then, it's like you have to be writing loans and have collateral. Yeah. You have to be part of the FDIC, all yep. that stuff. Crazy. Um, and he served on the board directors of the Bank of England until the following year, until 1695. After that, he moved uh, to Edinburgh to promote his Darien scheme to the Scottish government. And this is where he Fs up. Because he persuades the Scottish government to invest in the plan. He's like, look, I'm from Scotland. I know how Scots think. I will adequately persuade you into funding my scheme to do this thing. Because I'm the expert. I was in the Bahamas. I know. Yeah. And this would have pretty big, like I said earlier, pretty big side effects that last to this day. Uh, you wouldn't think so, but they do. And I'll, all right. I'll get into that. Let's roll on to it. So, King William III refused to support the scheme. Mm-hmm. He refused to give it his backing, because remember, ruling Scotland, England, and the, and the Netherlands. He's too busy. He's got too many irons well, in the fire. Well, it's not that. It's oh. he, he's uh, The Netherlands and England have economic interests in the New World, in, in the Americas already. Sure, sure. He doesn't want... Uh, Spanish reprisal against those economic interests that are already there. Oh, okay. So essentially, he's actively favoring two of the countries he rules over the third. Wow, cool. Yeah. So he's like, nobody messes with my cash. Pretty much. And I don't want anybody to mess with that cash. Mm -hmm. 
So don't poke the bear. Right. Because the bear will eat all my cash. Yes. Okay. I understand. So there is this uh, this kind of holding company established called the Company of Scotland. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how the country planned to execute uh, its colonial endeavors. Okay. It invested a, the 2021 equivalent of $71.6 million so into, not- into the Company of Scotland, which is approximately one quarter of the country's wealth. Okay. Well, see, I'm thinking like, okay, that's not actually that much money. Because it's, I mean, in 2021 dollars, really, like... It's not. Yeah, compared to someone like uh, Bezos or Warren Musk, Buffett or yeah. Gates or something like that. Yeah. It's or, like $71.6 million. Like, pe- there aren't even lists for people who have $71.6 million. Y- yeah. It's so low. It's like Forbes, like, stops at, like, the last billionaire, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's really doesn't sound like a lot, but at to the them. time, especially because, again, like... They're still under the, like, we've not reached capitalism yet, which mm-hmm. essentially perpetual growth of right. money. Fake money. Yeah, so $71.6 million, still a lot of money. But like, but you kind of have to relate it to how much the country is worth. Right. And like I said, one quarter of the country's wealth. Man. I think the U.S. GDP is something like $20 trillion, something mm-hmm. like that, somewhere thereabouts. I, I could be wrong on that, and of course that changes year to year, but so imagine... And the United States investing $5 trillion in, like, one scheme. Some boats going over yeah. and messing with some people? Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. But also, this guy, William Patterson, has to be, he, he has to be, like, one of the best persuaders in history. If you can persuade somebody to invest a quarter mm-hmm. of the worth of your country to fund a scheme that nobody else, like, everybody else has said, oh... Hell no. Well, Scotland sees it like, well, we want to get in, in on this this colonial game. Everybody else has refused this. We're going to take a chance on this. It's a bad It's like the, they're like, all right, all our money on, we're going to spend all of our lottery winnings on scratch-offs. Mm-hmm. And we'll win big. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's just a very poor investment. Yes. Um, oh, man. Yeah. So the expedition was organized under a man named Thomas Drummond. And it departed Scotland in July 1698 with 1,200 passengers or colonists. Just one boat? Uh, I think there were three boats. Okay. Um, They arrived at the destination in December 1698. Okay. So, like, five months later, uh, after a rough crossing. Yeah. Uh, And they stopped over in Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. uh, for a short bit. But Uh, still, that's, like, way into your journey. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. nothing between. Uh, they established the colony of New Edinburgh. Okay. So, um, the and harbor that it was in. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let me show you that picture again. Of There's New Edinburgh right there. Okay. So, you see, it's kind of like has this little harbor right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they thought that that would be perfect for shipping. Uh-huh. Uh, to, to be like an economic base and, you know, try to, you know, establish that route over... Uh, the Isthmus of Panama or the Isthmus of Darien. Okay. Uh, and this could, like, serve as, like, you know, the entry point to that. Sure. And have a harbor there that would be great for shipping. Right. The problem is, after they establish the colony there, they realize it's unusable due to, uh, due to the tides. So they don't realize, like, oh, this is actually not good. Wow. For shipping. So Because the tides probably roll out and then there's no yep. water to keep the boats there. Yeah, mistake number one. <laughs> oh... Uh, trade with the natives, the local natives, was unfruitful as they did not want Scottish goods. <laughs> because, also, uh, one of the things they tried to trade 
Uh, what's uh, Scotland have a lot of sheep? What do you get from sheep? Wool. wool. Do you need wool in central in the jungles of Central America? <laughs> no. They're like, do you want this plod? <laughs> the natives are like, what do we need? We we wear barely clothes. Yeah. If I want to sweat to death, yeah, I'll take yeah. the wool. I mean, I'll take they, the wool they were overcoat. clothed, but it's like. They yeah, were clothed it's like, for the temperate environment in which they live. Yes, so um, <laughs> Scotland was just like, look, we don't have anything else to bring. Everybody's died of yeah. famine. We don't have any they, food to bring. We're just going to bring all the wool that we yeah. can. Of course, they brought some whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, and that that traded well. But of course, they wanted to drink it themselves. They didn't trade much of it. So. <laughs> um, Tropical diseases and the difficulty of farming in the region led to the deaths of many colonists. No way. In a jungle. That's so weird. Scottish people, I thought they were so hardy. Not for the tropics. Yeah, not, I guess, not like. (laughs) Maybe for the highlands, not the tropics. Also, like, this is something where they were having to leave their home and survive five months on a boat, which Mm -hmm. I think is automatically going to weaken your immune system in general because you're not eating, like, you're not eating a balanced diet. You're not eating, like, you're at risk of scurvy you're, and other diseases. You're eating five-month-old salted pork. Yeah. So your iron your iodine level's too high. <laughs> yeah. Probably not enough oxygen. You're probably no, not, not drinking... Not enough vitamin C. You're not, enough drinking, you're not drinking enough water. And then you immediately have to come not only across five months, but then you have to dig in and survive in a place that you have no idea about. Mm-hmm. Clearly ill-prepared for. Mm-hmm. William Peterson did not come Patterson. down. Patterson, he, he did not come down here and figure scout like, okay, what do these natives need? What should we be bringing? Should we be bringing like uh, sailcloth? Should we be bringing ropes? Should we be bringing um, guns? I don't know if they even. Oh yeah, I mean, they, 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 yeah, they were right? guns. Yeah, that like rudimentary guns, but yeah. like flintlocks and stuff. Should we be bringing these things? No, they're like gather up all the wool that you see. Throw that on the boat. All these people are going to be fine. Yeah. So clearly a good decision on his part. Okay. The mortality rate at one point was ten people per day. Okay, out of twelve hundred people, that's not that's not great. No, not doing good. Uh, Patterson himself came uh, fell ill, uh, as did his wife and child. Oh, boy. Uh, and they died. His wife and child. Yes. Oh boy. Because he, he like he went with them, which I guess is. It's somewhat of a testament to him because he he's like we're gonna make it. Like he went himself. It's, this is he, a sure bet. And he's a rich dude, so he's like, it's uh, plenty of other people would just been like, oh yeah, I'll fund it. I'm not actually gonna go. Sure, yeah. I'll fund it from far. Well, he wanted to see the. He wanted to reap his mm-hmm. benefits. See the see the so, seeds that he had sown. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, King William, as I had mentioned earlier, refused to lend any support, even at this point. Oh, he's like, you have made your bed, sir. Mm-hmm. Now lie in it. And in July 1699, the colonists decide to abandon New Edinburgh. Where are they going to go? Back to Scotland. Just so they're like, turn this boat around, yeah. we're outie. Uh, well, uh, one ship returned directly to Scotland, and it arrived back in December 1699. Uh, so they've, so they've been, been gone for a year and a half or over, something? Over a year and a half, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, while... Two of the ships, uh, along with Thomas Drummond, the expedition leader, uh, they went up to New York City. Oh. Yeah, which at this point, you know, isn't... Like, it, I, 
it's population a port. is barely like 5,000 people. Right, right. But it's yeah. a big port. Yeah, it's like the tiniest bottom tip of Manhattan, and that's it. Right, yeah. right. But the, it's a good, you've got the Hudson River, you've got the East River. It's a good in, yeah. in, oh, yeah. fl- inlet for goods and stuff. Yeah. Um, before anyone back in Scotland had been aware that the colonists have left, because remember, Patterson and that ship didn't ro- arrive back until December sure. of 1699. Yeah. In August 1699, two supply ships uh, set sail for New Edinburgh. Oh no! Uh, and they get there uh, more quickly. Um, sure, yeah. Because their supply ships—they're not like they don't have like twelve hundred people on them. Sure. Um, they get there, and upon arriving, uh, one of the ships is destroyed by fire. There's a fire on it, and it just it—it's destroyed. And the other sees like there's nothing there. So they did. So they scamper off to Jamaica. <laughs> they're like, "Wow." I'm out. What <laughs> yep. the heck? Yeah. There's nothing here. We were uh, lied to. Drummond, he hired two ships in New York City to return to the colony mm-hmm. in September 1699, and he, he arrives to find the burnt remains of one of the supply ships. So he's like, what happened? Why is there an extra, like, burnt ship here? Um, so there there was a total of four ships that got sent down there. Well, I'm Oh, no. For it. I mean, at this point, yeah. the Drummond had two, and then there were two before, and one burned. Uh, there, okay, so Drummond took two of the ships up to New York. Oh, and then he came back down. He came back down. Okay. And then two supply ships from Scotland, one burned, one went to Jamaica. Okay, gotcha. So in November 1699, remember, the original ship does not get back to Scotland until December. Oh my god. In November 1699... That's such a cluster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're really starting to see why the communication lag across the Atlantic really comes into play here. <laughs> in November 1699, a second expedition of colonists... Oh, numbering no. over 2,500 people, and led by a man named Alexander Campbell, uh, who was appointed, like, uh, one of the... And it actually had, like, uh, bishops from, like, the Church of Scotland with them to, you know, proselytize to the natives. Oh, my God. Of course, they're unaware of the failure. Um, they arrive there in... Do they have more wool? Probably. Maybe they could wrap themselves again, in it. They're not aware of it, because, like, they went there thinking... Okay, this colony's going to be up and running. Uh, this is like 2,500 more people to kind of make it grow. Mm-hmm. They get there, they find an abandoned colony. Uh, two hired ships from the original dude. Numerous graves. Oh my god! Because a lot of the colonists have died at this point. Oh my god. The burnt remains of one, of a ship. They're just like, what? What What the heck? <laughs> Nobody left a letter or like Croatoan or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so so they decided like, well, we'll try again. Um, so <laughs> well, we came all this way. Yeah, pr- can't go back pretty now. much, pretty much. Wow. Um, I remember there's like funding involved in this. So like all these, you know, a quarter of the wealth of Scotland is funded in this endeavor. So they they set up fort. Of course, remember this area is held by the Spanish. They haven't been too happy this whole time that. Scotland is, you know, muscled in on their turf. And then failed. And then yeah, did it again. But, yeah, but so there's hostile fa- uh, Spanish forces in the area, and they begin attacking. Oh, no. And they besieged the Scots for over two months. Oh, my God, these Scottish people are like, we thought it was safe. Yeah. All this time, again, same thing as the first time. People are just dying left and right because tropical diseases, food problems, etc. <laughs> like, what happened? Why? Why us? What yeah. did we do wrong? Uh, the colonists negotiated a surrender, and they're allowed to just leave. Oh, God, I mean, best case scenario. Yes, yeah. they're just like, we, you know what? We don't really don't want any part of this. We're just gonna go, and they leave. 
No, that's good, I guess. Between the two colonization voyages, 3,700 colonists set out. Only 700 survive. 3,000 people die in this endeavor. Wow. Alright, so much money wasted. Yes. Um, So after this whole fiasco, this utter debacle, uh, the Company of Scotland attempts to recoup its investments uh, going the other direction, like... Uh, trying to get in on the eastern spice trade, like, around Africa and India and that kind of thing. Like, a lot of the other European countries were doing. Sure. This also fails. Yeah, I was going to say. You don't hear about Scotland when they talk about the East India Trading Company. No, there's no, like, S- Scottish East India Company. <laughs> no. No. Um, so, the failure of the Darien scheme led many prominent Scots, including William Patterson himself, uh, to conclude that the only way to become a major colonial and economic power was to join with England. Oh, boy. So on July 22nd, 1706, England and Scotland agreed to unite into one country, mm-hmm. leading the Acts of Union, and on May 1st, 1707, the independent, kings, ting, the independent kingdoms of England and Scotland ceased to exist, and the United Kingdom of Great Britain is established. Not according to Sean Connery. This is where Scotland essentially loses its independence. Right. Isn't... Okay, so when I was in Scotland, we went to the... The castle, Tedenborough Castle, mm-hmm. and they have the the crown there, like the Scottish crown. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that when all this went down, they hid the Scottish crown, the Scottish crown jewels, in a blanket chest because they were like the British are going to come and take them. So they hid them in a blanket chest, and they were lost for like 300 years, <laughs> not 300, like 250 years. And then they found it in a blanket chest, and then they were like, yes. Got them. So now they have them in, on display, but you can't take pictures or anything. That's weird. I don't know if it's um, it's because they don't want to like damage the provenance oh, of the oh, diamonds oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and they have royal guards there, so you can't take pictures like for real, for real. Well, because I mean, it's still. I mean, even though that country doesn't exist anymore, technically. Uh, yeah, or yeah. I mean, if they ever separated and. Scotland retained a monarchy, like, they'd still have Elizabeth as the monarch, so they're still part of the Crown Jewels collection, probably, right. so. England paid Scotland a sum known as the equivalent to offset their losses in the Darien scheme. Oh. So basically, like, here, like, Scotland, come and join us, and we'll give you this big, fat sack of cash. <laughs> they're like, so, alright, well, yeah, we're gonna do that. Because, again, a quarter of the country's wealth, gone. A lot of the investments from some of the richest people in Scotland, gone. So they're like, yeah, England, we'll take your money. And so, like, this is where they formed the United Kingdom. And so Scotland is now plugged into uh, the, what was formerly English, now British, uh, colonial empire, their economic um, economic relationships. Mm-hmm. So they are now one country. Dang. Yeah, and it's not William the Third anymore at this point. By this point, it's uh, Queen Anne. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like the one from uh, what was that movie? The the uh, the one with Olivia Coleman, the favorite. Oh yeah. Yeah, that Queen Anne. Oh boy. Yeah. So she was a tragic figure. Yes. Um. Okay, so let me just go back about the the Scottish honors. That's what they're called, the honors of Scotland. They were in 1707. That that is true. They they were like, oh crap, these are gonna get. Like, plundered. Mm. But technically, since they, since, you know, Scotland and England became the same country, they were always going to be lower in provenance than mm. the, the 
British crown jewels. So they locked them away in a blanket chest, and they didn't find them until 1818. And then they've been on public display at Edinburgh Castle ever since. Hmm. So they were they were lost for like over 100 years. Well, another reason uh, they might have been locked away was also because like there were still several uh, rebellions in Scotland over the yes. following decades. Yes. Because um, they would... Um, a lot, a lot of them focused on trying to restore the old Stuart family to power, mm-hmm. like the ones who had been deposed. Why? Why did they just like enjoy the Stuart? Well, family? they were like they were the like the last Scottish monarchs of an independent Scotland. Okay, and they remember like the Stuarts are the ones who were like the Scottish kings, who then became kings of England. Oh, that's so. So like, so um, they like they're the one. I remember true James the Second. One of them had been deposed in favor of his daughter and her husband. So he, they're like he's the they're the one true yeah. leaders of Scotland. Yeah, we want the Stuarts and, to come back, and they were more like focusing like not necessarily like loyalty to the Stuarts, mm-hmm. but more just like we'll use them as a figurehead for, kind of for our own grievances. Mm, so, okay. So several rebellions so they flare up over the following decades. The last being the Jacobite Rising in seventeen forty five, and after that they uh, the British government kind of like cleans house like mm. uh, this is time when they really try to tamp down on scottish nationalism mm-hmm. i think at this time they ban the wearing of the tartans wow um jeez the highland clearances trying What's to a like, highland clearance trying to clear out like these last little pockets of rebellion jeez yeah um that's intense yeah i didn't i wasn't aware of that and especially considering england just has more people in general oh yeah like really overwhelmingly easy. yeah it'd be really easy to just go through and just like by sheer force of number yeah i think the population of scotland something like six million or something mm-hmm. and england has like 40 million yeah so yeah yeah patterson himself um he again as i mentioned was one of the drivers for union because mm-hmm. again Lost all his money too, <laughs> so um, once that happens, uh, he he stays in London, uh, in Westminster, which is today a part of London, mm-hmm. uh, and he died there in January seventeen nineteen. And we don't actually know where he's buried. Secret. Yes, secret grave, secret tomb under the Bank of England. The um, Scottish probably stole his body and like burned it in effigy and drawn a quarter to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and Scottish nationalism. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, was mm-hmm. kind of tamped down, but it would persist, sure. uh, culminating to where we are today, to where Scotland still wants its its freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's more of a political thing because you have the whole EU. Because it made sense for them to stay a part of the United Kingdom for like so long. Yeah, if they were, if the UK was going to stay in the European Union, right? It just makes more sense because it's like we're on an island. They're, like, the island's basically split one... Well, it's not split one-third, but, like, we're on an island. It makes sense for us to play ball together. Mm-hmm. That way we don't... We're not right. fighting over ports. Plus, they had all that crazy stuff with Ireland for a long time. Yeah, I didn't even mention much about Ireland in this, because Ireland's a whole different issue. Were they not participating in all of this? Well, the kings of England and Scotland were also the kings of Ireland. Uh, but I didn't even bother... Mentioning okay. that, because or, or at least the Lords of Ireland, but I'm like I didn't mention that because it's that's a whole another issue. And that, Got it. And uh, Ireland will feature prominently at least one upcoming episode that I have planned. So oh, nice. So I didn't want to talk, go too much in, into detail about Ireland. So okay. Um. So yeah. So that that's where we are today. So just because this one guy wanted to have this colony in really an, at the time an inhospitable portion of the world, really kind of 
a little bit still in inhospitable sure. part of the world. Yeah. Scotland loses independence. So some of the sources I used for this. Uh, John McKendrick's Darien, A Journey in Search of Empire from 2016. Julie Orr's Scotland, Darien, and the Atlantic World from 2015. And Douglas Watts' The Price of Scotland, Darien, Union, and the Wealth of Nations from 2007. Nice. So, Do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going to happen next episode? Yes, on the next episode, and this is something that every single person on this planet can relate to, from the most ancient of times to the most current of times, listen to... The experts. Listen mm-hmm. to the experts. So that's the lesson yes. for episode nine. Yes. Yes. Listen to the experts. All right. Cool. Please don't forget to check out our sister projects, or mostly my sister projects. Uh, the YouTube show, The Drunken Pond, which is produced by myself and hosted by our po- co-producer, Steve, on this podcast, um, where we drink beer and play board games. It's a great time. Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, which is a horror review podcast, uh, which is co-hosted by myself and my lovely pod wife, Juliet. Uh, Three Minute Movies, which is a YouTube channel where I attempt to summarize and spoil movies in three minutes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show so we can stay on the charts. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WeEFTUP. I'm Teresa. And I'm Cody. And this is WeEFTUP. We